Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. I hope everybody is recovering from their turkey comas and all the tryptophan. Uh, I hope you've drank lots of coffee uh, throughout this day to stay awake for our, our show that is uh, taking place right now. Welcome to A Minor Detail. This is the online version of A Minor Detail. You can find Eric and I on the web at minordetail.com. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm with Eric Beasley and our special guest tonight, and we hope this is a recurring theme for our show, the Prince of Darkness himself, Joe Steffen, uh, our, our Greetings, friend. Greetings, Ryan. Greetings, Eric. Greetings, Joe. Great to have you on again. Yeah, so we have a, Thank you. We have a, full, we have a full list of uh, topics tonight. We're going to talk about uh, the Maryland Republican Party, they're going to meet next weekend in Frederick, Maryland to choose its new executive leadership. Then we're going to talk about what that executive leadership could be. The, they're running a slate. Um, we'll talk about uh, Loyola University caving to political correctness, and we'll get into some other uh, countywide stuff. And uh, we'll we'll take it as we go. And then 10 o'clock tonight, um, my Good friend, uh, the new Hagerstown mayor-elect, Bob Brucci, is going to join this show with all of us, and he's just going to talk briefly about his goals and priorities for the city of Hagerstown. So we got a we got a great show coming tonight, and we plan to have third Maryland's Republican Party's third vice chairman, Eugene Craig. He is going to join us as well. He just hasn't dialed in yet, so we will as soon as he he. He calls in. We will patch him in. But uh, so, fellas, we have – look, we have the Maryland Republican Party. They are meeting in Frederick for their semi-annual uh, state party convention, uh, which will take place. Eric is – what is it? The Frederick – where is it? The Holiday Inn or the – I don't know where it is. The, the Holiday Inn. The, Hol- um, the Holiday Inn uh, um, at Francis Cott Key Conference Center. Um, it's actually really yeah. nice. Really, I'd say it's one of the larger venues here in the county. Um, there's been, I mean, um, you know, primary parties and fundraisers and all sorts of stuff. Um, it's actually a really cool little area because they have like a like a kind of a more they have like the the hotel bar and restaurant right next to it, and they have kind of like a big room, with like a little stage. Then right on the other yeah. side is the pool and mini golf, and then on the side, uh, this whole little kind of like public area has rooms all along the side on the first and second floor. So it's kind of a really uh, useful space. Um, that's where uh, um, Ami Hober had her uh, election day party. Uh, Dan Bongino had it back in the day. Um, you know, we have, we've had a uh, Republican club fundraisers here. Um, so it's a, it's a nice little space. There's plenty of room, plenty of parking. Um, and uh, mm. if for some reason you insist on getting Chick-fil-A, there is one right around the corner. Um, so. Oh, okay. Joe, Joe Stefan, you've been to many of Republican Party conventions and have from what I can remember, many, yes, yeah, joined us in imbibing uh, alcohol from the various suites, and it's uh, it is a good time. I mean, you walk around, you talk to people in these packed small hotel rooms of like mind, and you you get a chance to unwind on the Friday night. That's when everyone checks in and i think frederick's a great central location um i wouldn't consider it to be true western maryland but it certainly is on the cusp of western maryland and uh it's good because yeah no you know i I don't live in western maryland easternmost point of western maryland yeah there you go there you go but joe (laughs) for people 
most of our listeners probably are familiar with these escapades on Friday night at, at, at state party conventions. But, Joe, what is what are some of your favorite memories of state party convention? What happens at these things for people who don't know? Well, on the Friday night hospitality suites, most people just walk around getting trashed on the free <laughs> beer or wine or whiskey or whatever they have. And most of them usually have pretty good finger foods, too, like snacks. But I've often just, like, tried to dodge people in there, people I don't really care to see or really want to talk yeah. to. My most favorite memory ha- – well, not my most, but one of my most favorite memories happened – at the last convention I went to, which I actually think was the Springs, I was approached in a hallway by some guy who told me, and I can say what I want on this, right? Of course. As far as language. The yeah. guy said Internet to radio, me, we can, whatever. fuck you, you fucking slime ball. Who said that to you? <laughs> He's on the Baltimore County Central Committee. His, I don't know well, who was it. it was some, he, I, he looks like a pinhead, um, literally. Oh. He keeps his hair cut really close on on the sides and have a little bit of a thing on top. But yeah, I just kept on walking and I was laughing so hard. I could barely stand up. Wow. That, that kind of thing happens now and then when I walk down the halls, but generally speaking, I have a really good time and, and I can talk to friends. I can talk to foe. I can talk to whomever, you know, yeah. um, because I don't take anything personally, not really politically. It's political. You know, I don't take it personal. I mean, Ryan, I'm a big fan of yours, and I consider you a good friend. I know we disagreed a lot coming down the home stretch of the most recent election, but you, you, you word your arguments in such a way that they make it worth listening to, and um, you do it with a certain entertaining panache, too, which is really cool. But uh, I like that. Yeah, I might have to get into your ass a little bit tonight about some of it, but I might not, you know, it just depends on the way the conference, but as far as the hospitality suites themselves, they are a lot of fun. They really mm. are. So if you have nothing else to do, and unfortunately I might not be able to make this Friday because, or the next one, because my daughter's work schedule this time of year, an assistant manager at her, at her store and all that, and her car's not working, so she has to use my car to get to and from work. Right. But um, otherwise, oh, I would be there in a heartbeat, just, 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 just for the fun. One of my favorite memories was during the last the last state convention I believe was held in what Annapolis I think so it was yeah. early it was mm-hmm. in April or May and then right after this and on the Saturday Joe you and I stood there and watched as they were electing people to uh, to to attend the the national convention um, which oh. took place in Cleveland so you and I stood there and I remember that for as loud and boisterous and as obnoxious as Red Maryland claims to be, pretends to be, or seemingly is, uh, they they completely dodged us. And Joe, you and I stood there. We watched Little Guy um, stand right, I, I would say, about 30 feet away from us. They they talk so much bullshit on the air and their articles. They They make fun of you. They make fun of Eric. They make fun of me. And they but but any time that they're in public and and maybe they're just trying to avoid a uh, a confrontation which is fine I, I i understand being classy but they'll never say to you to your face what they would say to you what they would be willing to say on the air or in their articles 
and and for that reason, um, they ducked and dodged and and turned their heads. And um, I just think that for a news or a news organization, or as they claim to be, which they're not, they're not, news. Um, they're not news. It's it's mindless drivel and and chatter, uh, <laughs> you know. And we don't, you know, we don't pretend mm. to be a news network, but they avoid you. And it was funny just watching their reactions, and um, well, it's, you know, it is funny because that the previous night, the night before the votes, um, I was in. I guess it was a conservative slate's hospitality suite. And little guy came in there. Little guy's Brian Griffiths, if anyone doesn't know, by the way. Little guy came in there, and he was in the room for probably 45 minutes while I was there, and I tried five or six times to make eye contact with him. If I moved to this section of the room, he moved to the other section of the room. If I moved toward him, he moved away. It was insanity. That went on for a solid 45 minutes. Yeah. And I, like so you're laughing, I thought so I could do a chuckle about it. So the moral of the story is we need Joe there because he keeps the riffraff out. Yeah. <laughs> but I might invite a whole different type of riffraff, as you would probably <laughs> want to wear. But, yeah, you know, it's it's half a dozen of one suit for the other, I guess, as far as I'm concerned anyway. But, you know, the thing is, well, Red Maryland used to have some punch back in the Mark Nugent, Andrew Langer days. Of course. Now, uh, yeah. Yeah, Nugent's a very talented researcher. He really is. I he, like he him now a is, lot. He does something for Governor Hogan now. Andrew Langer, believe it or not, we Andrew and I had a Facebook communication two or three weeks ago where I wrote him and I said, look, Andrew, I'm sorry for my role in our dust-up a few years ago. And he's like, wow, okay, well, I'm sorry for my – and now Andrew and I are fine now on that okay. level. He – but he, uh, Andrew and Mark brought something to the table. I mean, my yeah, God, Andrew smart. does. Exactly. Andrew does podcasts. He does. He, he just guested on WBAL radio over the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I mean, Thursday and Friday. And he lives in Virginia now, so I don't think he can do Red Maryland anymore. But back when they had those two, they could be considered a bit of a force. Not anymore. When, when your aces are little guy and Greg Klein, are you kidding huh. me? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, Greg Klein has this outsized <sighs> ego, and I mean, I don't want to spend the well, entire it's out, night. it's almost it. as outsized as the rest of him. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know. <laughs> nice setup, Ryan. <laughs> that, well, I but mean. Pop, I, yeah, you, you threw that curveball, so, that, that flat yeah, curveball, well, you know. You know, Greg Klein. When you get him one on one, he's a he's he's a he's a fairly decent guy. But you hear these guys on the radio or whatever, you know, online blog talk radio, same thing we do, uh, and you listen to them, and it's honestly, they they have their own little inside jokes. And you know, I rarely ever listen to them, but I did listen this morning because I wanted to to talk about their segment about um, the the least valuable conservative. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in in a, in, a, in a bit, but. Um, I had to listen for the sake of of this uh, this show, and you know I used to listen to Red Maryland when, like you said, Joe, they had Langer and Nugent on. Who you're right, they brought a credible argument to the table. Who had in- information? Some of it, most of it, was investigatory, which Mark Nugent did a lot of, and uh, yeah. Langer sprinkled it with a lot of, you know, sometimes um, interesting commentary. But now, when yeah, when you when your ace in the hole is two guys that uh, 
um, consistently prod and and poke and embellish one another's ego, then it's not even that fun to listen to anymore. Eric and I have disagreements. Joe, you and I have disagreements, but they're all civil. But if we're wrong, we we sort of tell each other and we we argue right. it out. But right. I can't. It's nauseating yeah. to listen to these guys, and I I maybe it's our fault that we haven't you know have we're we're building our network, we're building a minor detail. Um, from or very organically, and more people listen, more people like it. They don't like it. They don't have to listen. They don't have to read. But um, and the important thing is, is Joe, you know this, being part of the show. Eric and I, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We have fun doing it. It's a hobby. We don't make money from this. And if you want to listen into this show, um, you're going to get news commentary, our political opinions, and mm-hmm. gossip. And we're going to have fun doing it. We just don't take it too seriously. We, you know, we're not out there saying, "Oh, well, we're the premier, predominant conservative media outlet in, in the state of Maryland." No, we're. I think we have a we're, we have a voice and um, we we have a platform, and that's just uh, that's just the way it is. Yeah, the fact that you two don't take yourselves that seriously is a big part of why your success continues to grow. Because most people who listen to political talk, they can get that crap all day long on the radio. Oh, yeah. And who wants that at night? You know, you're sitting down, like you just said, I hope you drank coffee, a lot of coffee today, but you're just sitting around now on Sunday night, it's like 9.15 or whatever time it is. Yeah, you just want to relax and have a couple chuckles if you can, and hear some things, but you don't want pugnacious, self-righteous bastards talking to you. And you guys <laughs> yeah. certainly aren't. No, but I wanted to complain about social justice warriors bitching about video games, you know, later on. So, I mean, I'm obviously not a, you know, it's better to keep it light sometimes, especially at nine o'clock. Because, you know, yeah, people yeah. listen and when they get done with the show, they go watch Walking Dead and then they cry yeah. because everybody yeah. dies. So <laughs> well, now you've ruined the Walking Dead. Yeah, everybody dies. Except Spoilers. for Fidel Castro. No one's crying over him. No. May, 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 may God not have mercy on his soul. Um, you know, when so, I heard Fidel Castro died, all I could think of was that scene in Little Nicky uh, when um, Adam Sandler's character is in hell and the devil is like, all right, Hitler, it's time for the pineapple up your ass. And he, like, walks into <laughs> Hitler's office. Like, that's what I just, yeah, imagine that Fidel is second in line now. Um that's nice, man. That's a real pleasant thought. Well, we'll get to that <laughs> anyway. So, um, Joe and Eric, there's a um, this year. It's predictable how Montgomery, or I'm sorry, the the Maryland Republican Party's leadership is going to turn out. And some people have asked, well, why are you guys talking about this? How is this relevant? Well, it's very relevant. It's we are <laughs> we are the minority party in the state of Maryland. Our governor is currently a Republican. And we also, I mean, it's it's important because they're going to define where, how the party is uh, moving forward, where it's going to go, and um, you know we're going to see what happens. And it looks like they've assembled um, what appears to be a slate. Um, and so, and leading the slate is, I believe, the hand-picked successor to Diana Waterman, who is our current Maryland Republican Party state chairwoman. Um, and she's been the state chairwoman since 2013. Um, I think she's done a great job. I really like 
uh, Diana. Some people have differences, but I, I like Diana. She's been very um, she's been very nice to me. But the the person leading at the top of this conservative slate ticket, whatever, is a guy by the name of Dirk Hare, and he's running for state party chairman. And we'll find out on December 3rd at the state party convention in Frederick whether or not he, he wins. I think that the only opposition is um, uh, William Campbell, who ran for state con- controller. Is that is that right, guys? Yeah, right, Cam- right? Campbell had the second most votes of any Republican to Larry Thunder. And I'm wow. not just talking that. I'm talking in years. Yeah. Campbell did run his ass off. He ran a pretty good race. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing him at a, in Frederick all the time, like during the Frederick Fair and during the various events around here. He was actually out here, you know, with the signs talking to folks. Yeah. So, Campbell, Dirk Hare. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Campbell and Hare. That's a tough one for me because I don't. I never met Dirk, but I do know Bill, and I like Bill. I don't know anything um, about Dirk Hare other than what his bio says, which reads that. Um, his home is in Edgewater, Maryland, which I believe isn't that where Governor Hogan's from? Wasn't he around? That I honestly area? don't know. Okay, I know he was from. He lived in Anne Arundel County, but Dirk Hare. Um, there's a website. They they did this pretty decent website that introduces their conservative slate, and he says that his wife Jessica, who is also a lawyer, has served as the assistant state party legal counsel for the past six years. They have two daughters um, and a son. In addition to the Republican Party, he likes the Ravens uh, and baseball. Um, let's see. He he was legal counsel for Andy Harris, Alex Mooney, Kathy Shalega, and Governor Hogan. Um, he's been the chair of Maryland GOP House and State Party Caucus Committees. From 2011 till present, he was the legal counsel to the state Republican Party. Then he was chair of from 2004 to present, he was chair of the Maryland GOP House and Senate Slate Committees, Legal House, Council to GOP, moved to Anne Arundel County in 96, volunteered for many campaigns, including Ellen Sauerbrey and the early gubernatorial campaigns, like like what Maryland Republican didn't volunteer for those two. Um, mm. And then in 94 to 96, he managed U.S. House campaigns for Republican candidates in Indiana and Wisconsin. He was a staff member – um, for oh, looks like for Jack Kemp and work with Speaker Paul Ryan, and he was a former oh, he was legislative a Kemp aide. Hmm. Yeah, he worked for Jack Kemp, okay. and he said his cubicle mate was Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, um, and um, he was a legis- he was a legislative aide to U.S. Senator Dan Coats. So Dirk Harris apparently seems to have plenty of experience, and Joe and Eric from the conversations that I've held with. Party officials, party insiders. I've, my understanding is that this is a hand-picked select um, successor to Diana Waterman. That Governor Hogan wants him in this position. I was going to ask who picked. Was it Hogan or was it Waterman? Uh, I don't know. My understanding well, is that Eric Hogan wants him in a position. Yeah, Eric. What have you heard? I. I tell you, I haven't heard I haven't heard anything about him to be honest with you. I mean, and yeah. and to be fair, like 
in, in all honesty, if, if Governor Hogan wanted somebody to be the chairman of the Republican Party, but with how he's been playing things over the last like year, he wouldn't actually say anything publicly. He would have you no. know, he would have a lackey do it. He would there would not be attributability, there would not be a public statement. So this could be the the selected Hogan person. I mean, what tells me that this might be the selected Hogan person is um, this line right here. Simply put, re-electing Governor Hogan in 2018 and electing enough Republicans in the General Assembly to uphold Governor Hogan's vetoes will allow us to control your district, blah, blah, blah. To me, that says that it's, this is Hogan's guy because his focus yeah. is making, what, flipping seven Senate seats and getting Hogan re-elected. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be quite a feat. And, um, you know, if our friend who's part of our show, Joe, if you decide to run for uh, in the primary, now it's going to be interesting because the party is legally obligated not to take a position in the primary, which I that, understand that, that has yeah. been – and they violated that principle and, and, and that procedure back in 2010 when Brian Murphy ran. I supported Brian yep. Murphy when he ran in 2010. As did I. I, I, was, yeah. I was a – I was a strong supporter. I went out and knocked doors for Brian. I went out and waved signs, organized events in Western Maryland. I this is a guy, Brian Murphy, if he came back to electoral politics or state politics, here's a guy who has a bright future, a very smart guy in business. I mean, this is a guy he owns Smith Island cakes. That yep. anybody in Maryland who's been around for a while, they know that what a lucrative business that really is. And Absolutely. Uh, I, I I got so much crap from the establishment in 2010, and I wasn't really that invested in Maryland politics at the time. I was sort of winning my way in and, and learning about the hierarchy, the party, and whatnot. But I took so much shit from people back in 2010 when I supported Brian Murphy. How could you do this? How could you possibly do this? And he's – you know, he, Ehrlich is the guy. Well, you know what? Ehrlich waited for the longest time – to, to run because and he, he didn't up, even want to run for governor. Yeah, how'd that go down anyway? In 2010. Kendall, his wife, is all over him. You need to do that. Because Kendall, I swear to you guys, the first news conference they had after Bob first lost to Martin O'Malley, Kendall said, a direct quote, she was asked by one of the reporters, What do you miss most about Annapolis? Now, what kind of softball question is that? You can say, I miss the opportunity to have much more of a direct impact on policy or whatever. Kendall looked and said, I miss the chefs. Mm. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Are you, that was her, yeah. I miss the chefs. That was her wow. response to that question. That so Kendall wanted the house back. I'm serious. She wanted the house back. And if Bob had run for the seat, it's now Andy Harris's seat. He'd have won that. He'd be he'd be the current congressman from whatever the first district forever now. But no, yeah. he did it to keep Kendall happy. He didn't even wanted it. But Bob Ehrlich, when he was running at his best, would have had trouble beating O'Malley in 2010. O'Malley knocked him off in 2006. Yeah. So in 2010, I don't think it even would have been a contest. And what did Bob lose by? Like 200,000 like votes. It was a lot. All right. It yeah, was. Like, I think it was by. I remember. I understand. Go ahead. I was. I was going to say. I remember that there was there was talk that Larry Hogan was going to run in 2010, 
And I think if Bob had not run, Larry would have would have probably would have run, and he may have lost that. But then, of course, that was setting him up for 2014, which was the real prize. I yeah, met with Larry one by... day in Larry's say... office. I met with Larry in 2010, and he. This is right after Ehrlich announced he was running. Bob had called Larry and said, I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, I, I felt badly for Larry because he'd already dumped what? I'm just coming up $200,000 into polls and all the other crap of his own money to see what his chances would be. And Larry was pretty ticked that Bob had said, oh, now I'm going to run as though he expected Larry to just step aside and get out, which Larry did. And I never understood that. You've already put $200,000 in. Why are you just stepping aside for a guy who obviously, in my mind, doesn't even really want it again? Mm. But yeah, Larry, do it, Larry, because I guess he's just loyal to Bob because Bob was loyal to Larry's dad back in when they were working on Larry Sr.'s campaign, I guess the early 80s. Mm. And to me, the whole thing was just insane. Well, I agree with you, Ryan. Martin was going to win that race regardless of who he ran against in 2010. Yeah. I really do believe O'Malley was, was going to win that race. Well, that was a tough but race why, for any. Yeah, exactly. But why just step out because the guy who was governor one term, who lost four years ago, suddenly he says, now I'm going to run, and you're just going to, like, step aside? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. But that's what Larry um, did. Anyway. So – Moving on to the, the, they have a more people on this slate, which the the person is like the vice president of the party is called the first vice chair, uh, Montgomery County guy who's the current chairman of the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee is a guy by the name of Mike Higgs, very very good guy. I don't Eric I don't, and Joe I don't know if you met Mike before, but uh, he's a uh, very prominent member of the Republican Party in Maryland. He's done a lot for Montgomery County, um, was appointed deputy director of Maryland State Department of Assessments and Taxation by Governor Hogan. Uh, he's been the chairman of the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee since 2013. He's a he's on staff as an attorney at Shulman Rogers in Montgomery County, which is a very prominent uh, law firm here. And uh, Good guy. I think that uh, there. I don't know if he has any competition um, on the slate. But then the second vice chairman is Tim, Tim Kingston that is running. Um, then Maria Pica, interesting, is running for third vice chairman. Now Eugene Craig was supposed to join us. I don't know why he hasn't joined us. Maybe he forgot. I did remind him today to He's be part of the show. He's probably drunk under the table. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Maria Pica <laughs> is running for third vice chair, and I just wanted to notate that um, th- that's sort of a mixed bag. Uh, nowhere in her bio has she mentioned that she worked for Dan Bongino. Um, yeah, it's in there. And I scroll down, scroll uh, down, right? Um, wait, let's see. I'm sorry. I can't imagine oh, Maria would hide that. No, she didn't. Uh, in Maria's GOP background, it's listed right there. Campaign manager Damagina for Congress, Florida District 19. I don't see that. Um, finance director, Citizens for Bongino. Um, Where is it say? PAC director, Battleground Assistance PAC, Baltimore oh. County Coordinator, oh, yeah. Bongino for U.S. Okay. Senate. Yeah, you got to scroll down. Oh, I'm sorry. So well, it just wasn't there. written. 
it was not written in the in the the, the prose of the bio. So okay, uh, yeah. it wasn't in the narrative. It was in the list. Okay, it was in the resume. Well, she did work. She did work for Rand Paul, and uh, she's okay. She's done a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is Eugene not running for third vice chair again? What's the situation? I don't. I don't. That's why I wanted to have Eugene on. Does anybody I know what Eugene? Eugene but I gotta yeah. tell you, I mean, I love that guy to death. I really do. He's outspoken as hell. But yeah. honestly, he said and done some pretty stupid stuff over the last year. <laughs> I don't think he could win again, and I think he knows that. I'm serious. He mm-hmm. like. I think he knows if he were to run again, he would not win. I, I Maybe not. don't mean to say it speaking from him, but that's my take on it. Well, you know, it's no. I mean, Joe, you there's there's that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know that people have been upset with Eugene, and um, but I give him a lot of credit for for speaking um, and doing, you know, speaking out and taking a position. I think Eugene has electoral ambitions and the future on for state office so i would think that maybe in 2018 he's going to run for uh some sort of state office um and then let's oh, move hey, on Ryan. to the, well, we need, go ahead no we need to go back for the uh, to the second vice chairman um because i got a got a message apparently this guy um tim kingston tim King. um he is part of the uh huff Zolly hydra so I like him, is, uh, but I understand that he's a. I think he's a he's a retired police officer. Um, he's from Anne Arundel County. He's yep. let's see. I think he's the chair of the Queen Anne's the Queen Anne's County Queen Republican. Anne's County. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tim is and a so, nice I mean, that's guy. I'm good, but he he might be a nice oh, he, guy. But I do know that he's he's part of that that tough group and so honestly as yeah. far as i'm concerned if you're aligned with huff that puts you in no-go zone i mean hell like there's a picture i think this is a picture of him with uh i can't tell if that it looks almost like gary johnson but i can't tell but like so he might be halfway decent but he's also got a picture here with uh um who's that, that gary scumbag no that's lawyer? gary <laughs> gary johnson steve shu who is the current county executive and run county looks uncannily similar to Gary Johnson and but that is not really? Gary Johnson. That is Steve Shue. It looks just like him. Right? Like Yeah. Seriously, and then there's Jason Reinstein. Body and then he has yeah, a picture with slimy Jason Reinstein. Yeah. So the, the company you keep I mean honestly Jason Reinstein, Michael Huff right there, pretty much in my opinion, that puts you at a at a no go zone. Um, I do know that a Larry Helmeniak from Carroll County is going to be running for second chair. I like so, Larry. A, I like him. Yeah, I'd like. I'd rather have him be second vice chair, just you know, based you on the company Joe? that you're keeping. I've never met Tim. I've met Larry. I like Larry too. Well, that brings me to Mark Unkerfer, um, who is the uh, Mark Unkerfer is a dickhead, and uh, I think he, <laughs> um, and I mean that he's that guy is a true dickhead. Um, let me tell you a story about Mark Unkerfer. And, you know, back earlier this year, it was the Sunday after the Garrett County 6th six six Congressional District debate, and I was up. I went and recorded it, and Eric and I attended several of those <laughs> events, and um, I went up, and I 
had seen Robin Ficker's signs in places that they clearly should not have been placed in, right? So as a Republican in Montgomery County, and Ficker's signs were all over Montgomery County in places that he was not given permission. Um, I wrote an email to the Central Committee in Montgomery County as well as the other four Central Committees saying, I, basically, I understand that you can't do anything about this, but as a Republican who is running for this seat, um, it should be known that he's that he's placing signs illegally, and it might be beneficial for someone in a position of party authority to step up and say, at least give him a premiere or a rundown about where he should be placing his signs. And I think that was fair. I wasn't asking them to do anything that had any sort of legal implication. That's not what I was asking this to, to do. So anyway, Mark Unkefer wrote this incredibly nasty email back to me, basically calling, basically telling me that I was a fool for, for thinking that. Um, and he just – I have to find it, but it was so nasty. And this guy has always been a jerk to me. And then he, he – I think he reached out to Ami Hober and said, do you have any association – if I had any association with her campaign? And given my personal baggage and, and past history um, that he is so glad that I'm not working with, uh, with, uh, with Ami Hober's campaign. And this is a guy who routinely in the spring wears turtlenecks to various Republican events. Um, it, it, you know, well, who the hell and, wears turtlenecks? Let's start there. Okay, Mark Ungerford. Um, uh, Mark Unkefer is an asshole. He's treated me with disrespect. He has treated Kim with disrespect. And this is a guy with an ego that should not have any sort of responsibility in Maryland's Republican Party. I don't like him. He's never been courteous to me, and I've, I've gone out of my way to be nice. During the last state Republican Party event in April, even after the fact, I went up and shook his hand, and he barely acknowledged me. And just looked at me like I was a piece of scum. So um, what has Mark Unkerfer really done? I don't know what he's done. I know that he's in, he's in that sort of uh, cabal with Dwight Patel and these other weirdos in Montgomery County. Um, yeah. About so, that, Brian, really pretty much anybody from Montgomery County, we can basically look at it and say, like, what have you actually done? Hey, Joe, uh, calm down with the chips, yeah. man. Do what? <laughs> calm down with the chips, anyway. man. Anyway, yeah, no, I mean, um, really, nobody, nobody in Montgomery County's had electoral success for what, like, twenty years now. Okay, so like, no, I mean, I, really, just, just at the very beginning, my first thought from anybody running to be in charge of the Maryland GOP from Montgomery County is, why don't you get your own house in order and then try to run the state? Well, I, I do like Mike Higgs a lot. I think he's a decent guy, and he's always been very nice to me. And really, I mean, if if you can't be nice, I'm a Republican in. Uh, in Montgomery County, and I'm not active in the Republican Party because I really want nothing to do with it. Um, it, it just wouldn't make sense for me to to really get involved because it's more of a clique at the club. I don't want to be associated with people like Dan McHugh, Eric. We know we both know Dan, and I have no intentions of being associated with a, a goofball, a clown, a rodeo uh, degenerate like him. I don't like him. I, I just don't like these people. They they're not my kind of Republicans. Um, they're just people that tend to show up more than they should, and they get themselves involved. I don't know if anybody's running for state party treasurer. Um, Who's the radio just, degenerate? 
Uh, Dan McHugh. Have you ever met this guy? No. Hmm. Unless here's a guy I that met Mark Dunkerfer, uh, but yeah. Well, Dan Dan McHugh did a few stupid branches on his way down the tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's fine. He made up a Dan McHugh has made up a fake Twitter account, and he attacked me and Kim and and our relationship and uh, has went after us personally. And this is the kind of caliber of people, Joe. I mean, when you attack my family, um, you're you're really stepping on on for, uh, on on some ground there. But that's fine. I mean, that's oh, just absolutely. kind of people. But, yeah, I mean, but, but that's Ryan, the kind of Ryan, guy. Ryan, but think about this, Ryan. Th- that's all of Montgomery County. Okay, think about it. The 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 mailer that got sent out attacking me, like the anonymous one. Okay, that came out of Montgomery County. Okay, um, you know that that's that's where that's like. As far as I'm concerned, Montgomery County is the Moss Isley of the Republican Party. Okay, that's yeah. where the that's the hive of villainy and wretched scum. I mean, so like, well, do we really want anybody from there, like, involved in the state party? Okay, if if I, I get that you like Michael Higgs, that's fine. I have no personal problem with him either. But if he can't clean yeah. up his own house, how is he going to clean up the state? That's my concern. well. I just think that Montgomery County Republican Central Committee tends to be very clicky. Um, they're a massive group of people, but when you continue to elect people like Gus Alzona, uh, you have a problem. Joe, you know Gus. I do know Gus. I think he's I kind of an interesting. I like Gus. I like Gus in person, but really? he's got some really weird. I don't know. He's just kind of a weird, strange guy. Now we he can't say his name again. A little bit odd, but CIA I like him. Uh, all right, so then let's move on. We have Chris Michael. Rosenthal, who's running for treasurer. Uh, I don't, I don't really know oh Chris, but I, do you know Chris? Does anybody know Chris Rosenthal? No, it's just that his name has been around forever. Yeah. He's, um, <laughs> yeah. Now, here's a question: Do we know on Saturday? Well, I assume you have to sort of announce your candidacy. You can't just pop up during the middle of the convention and say, hey, I'm going to run. But, and I know that they're going to make these speeches, right, Eric? They're going to they're go out and sort of make these speeches to the in, entire group. And so, Eric, I think, it would be, I think it would be smart for us to record these speeches and then put them up on a minor detail. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're going to have to find a nice outlet. I'll have to bring a, um, you know, a power strip. But yeah, I would really like yeah. to get, I mean, I think a lot, honestly, a lot of the conversations actually happened during the uh, hospitality suites. Um, you know, most yeah. of the people who are running will have some sort of hospitality suite. Um, you know, I was thinking, Ryan, maybe we should just use like Facebook Live um, through the um, Minor Detail Facebook page to get this stuff out like in, in real time. But, uh, but basically, yeah, um, a lot of t- I remember at the last convention uh, two years ago when they had all folks like this running for third vice chair, mm-hmm. chairman, whatever. Um, there was hospitality suites basically for everybody who was running. Um, so that's yeah. where you're going to see a lot of I mean, the floor speech. Come on, a floor speech is like you know that that doesn't do anything. That's not where the real convincing has happened. That's not where you hear yeah. the uh, you know the scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You hear that in the hospitality yeah. suites, and so yeah. that's where the real politicking happens. All right, do we have any final comments on the conservative club of Maryland's? Slate of people running, or the just that Brian Griffiths uh, is on the board of directors, and no one knows how the hell he got there. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he's on the board of directors of the conservative club, and no one knows how the hell he got there, including him. 
from what well, I heard. Well, speaking of that, that's interesting. But <laughs> speaking of that, Joe, Eric, uh, we both, we all three of us made it on the least valuable conservative of the year, and they have this long list of people. But I encourage, if you're listening, I would really encourage you to to vote for all three of us, or vote for me, or vote for Joe or Eric. Um, this it would be a true <laughs> honor if we exactly. earned the least value mm-hmm. conser- valuable conservative from Red Maryland. It would be um, those votes. Maybe they could vote. Yeah, vote for James Gross or now they have. I mean, they have some interesting names on there: Shalega, Ami Hober, Mark Epstein, Ami Hober's husband. But uh, yeah, I think it would what be the hell is Larry Hogan's name doing on there? <laughs> I don't I'm know. Gonna, Maybe there's no. Some... Seriously, I'm not going to get into a lot, but seriously, I could see me putting him on there. But Red Maryland? Are you kidding me? Well, what the hell? According to Red, think... uh, yeah, according to Red Maryland, Joe, my understanding is is that they don't pick these people. They have people that nominate um, these names to put them up there, so they say. Now, we don't know if that – I'm going to take them at yeah, the yeah, word, yeah. but I have a feeling that they game the system, and they, they put their own names. Uh, you know, it's, it's their website, but I'll take them at their word that other people – as they say, nominated these individuals um, for least valuable conservative. But uh, I, I think that yeah. we. Uh, well, like, I, I really hope that. No, I win. no, right, right. Look, I'll tell you exactly how you can. I can prove to you exactly that they just make up people that they don't like. All right, James Gross is a perfect example. Okay, I know him. He's in Frederick County. He comes out to the club meetings. He gave money to me when I was running for city council. He pretty much writes a check to any Republican that's halfway decent running in Frederick County. Okay, and he's a big gun guy. All right, that's his shtick. Okay, uh, if you remember a couple months back, there was this dust up because basically Red Maryland, according to the gun groups, Red Maryland was propagating a bunch of BS about changes in gun laws, and they were mad about it. So James Gross made a video basically saying, "No, this isn't what happened. Here's what's actually happening." The same sort of stuff that we reported on, and basically right. he called out Red Maryland for lying and trying to carry water for Larry Hogan yeah. that was undeserved, and. Yeah. Like that wasn't how is that least valuable conservative? What he was, what what James Gross was actually doing was was basically educating people. No, nothing's actually changed. Okay, it's mm-hmm. just that we've adapted to the crappy Maryland State Police system better. That's how people are getting permits now. And so, like him, for mm-hmm. example. Okay, seriously, he was the topic of like one episode of Red Maryland. I remember because he messaged me bitching about it. Okay, so. You really think that some random person who listens to that show remembered four months ago the name of this one guy that did this one video and nominated him for least valuable conservative? That's a good point. No. That's a good Highly point. unlikely. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think really, that's a... because, again, yeah, because Little Guy and Greg Klein are stupid. Basically, they messed up and they just, to me, revealed that this is really just their hit list. Okay. That's all that it is. Yeah. I mean, I took on Brian Griffiths. Pretty heavily. Joe has taken on Brian, Greg. I, I mean, in 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 a way that is both funny and relevant. Uh, and I mean, Joe, you've really put a hole into this whole facade that there's somehow this. I don't know. I mean, they 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 make themselves be more than what they're supposed to be. And, they're two dweebs who just. I guess they like talking. They like hearing the sound of their own voices because. <laughs> I'm being perfectly honest when I tell you guys this. I don't listen to you every Sunday. I don't listen to anything all the time. 
But well, yeah, I have not listened to anything Red Maryland's done in at least two or three years. And I have yeah. not read anything that they've put out in at least two or three years. But I hear complaints in person. I, I get messages sent to me. And I'm like, well, I wish I knew what you're talking about, but I don't. Because then stop listening. But these two idiots must just love the sound of their own voices so much. They can't live without it. Yeah. What, how else can you explain it other than ego fluffing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I, it's, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, look, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they're data caps. So they can only play so much like, you know, Counter-Strike in their mom's basement. So when they run out of data, they decide to make a show. And, uh, you know, like, that'd be my first thought. Well, well there you go. anyway, and just. And just for the record, I don't play Counter-Strike. Like, that's just not my shtick, so. <laughs> um, video so, games in general are not my shtick. No, I don't. I haven't played video games in years. But you want to play them, play them. If you don't, it doesn't affect me or bother me. Exactly. Um, knock yourself out. So, yeah. yeah, knock yourself out. Loyal University, I read a piece in the Washington Post two days ago. Apparently what had happened is, is that the college Republicans or some group on campus orchestrated a, a USA theme party, USA First, after uh, – yeah, it was recently – it was it was subsequent, the, the Trump win, and the university basically nixed it and said, no, it's, it's offensive, and they had the college Republican Party uh, chairman – chairwoman come on, and, and she was quoted, and it was a pretty funny article, but – this is such BS. Yeah, you want to say, oh, you can't have a USA themed party at the university? What a bunch of shit! What a bunch of crap! I am so sick. That's at Loyola, this... right? Yeah, it's at Loyola. Yeah, exactly. I heard about that. That's just, bullshit. You know, another you know, safe you, space. It, it's like if the Democrats had wanted to have one when Obama won. I don't care. They want to have the Republicans want to have one, the Trump one. I don't care. And but if you want to have one, just because you want to have one, I don't care about that either. But yeah. the whole you can't do it. The flags have to go to hell, dude. I'm sorry, just get at because you're talking in a way that is absolute nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Eric. What do you think? Oh, look. If I was. If I was at Loyola right now, um, this if if I was running a competing college to the Loyola University, I would offer full credit credit transfers and everything to people who love America that want to be able to fly an American flag on campus, and I would suck all those students out, and I would destroy Loyola University through the free market. Yeah, there so you go. They so they apparently received this, I guess, letter from the administration saying that they encourage you to reconsider this plan in light of the legitimate concerns of raised by so many. This was written by Loyola's school vice president, uh, executive vice president, Sarah Donovan. And she told, she told student government, government members in emails provided uh, to this news outlet that I'm reading from that we have made progress in providing a welcoming climate on campus. And do we want to reverse that progress with a theme that divides us? You mean to tell me that they call a theme, a USA-themed party, America – what did they say? Um, Amer- an America-themed party as somehow deb- debilitating or that it would somehow 
hurt the precious egos uh, or the psyche of the oh ever so sensitive college students. Give me a freaking break! I mean, good God, this is this is why this is one of the reasons why Trump won. For God's sakes, am I right? I mean, this is one of the reasons oh, you're, why. You're, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Why? People are so sick of that type of crap. And let me just go. I'll go a little, just a little bit further. Those students who might get their egos hurt or their psyches hurt or whatever, maybe that would be a good thing for them to get slapped around a little bit. Whether it's actually happening or not, for them to assume it is just to show, sweetheart, you can't always get everything you want. Your guy lost or your girl lost. Deal with it. Just <laughs> deal with it. How, no, are, how it, is any 20-year-old supposed to go up out into the real world when they're being pampered like that in college? It makes zero sense. I, I just – I look at this and I'm, I'm ashamed. It, and it happened right here in Maryland. I mean, if 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 the student, it was the administration really thought that strongly that a hey, you we're not even talking about a Trump theme party, right? It's not even a Trump. We're talking about <laughs> the Stars and Striped, you know, John Philip Sousa. Uh, we're in, and I can see college kids. I did this in a fraternity before, where you put on goofy pants and you dress up, and you know you. You chug beers. I'm not advocating for that, but of course that's what happens in college. And you know, you watch, you watch Team America, <laughs> World Police, and you, you know, and 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 it's just it's it's supposed to be an America theme where you celebrate. And I'm sure that they could they would probably slide this where you celebrate the greatness of this country. And I see nothing wrong with that. And if they consider that divisive. I mean, I just – we have come so far, and yet I think we take 10 steps backwards in, in the world of academia where reality is this bubble that is created for these, these sensitive, immature college kids who Joe when, and Eric, when they go out into the real world and whatever that might be, um, they're, they're just going to be so lost, and it's going to be a disaster for them. I pray to God that when they well, get see, their first job – that I just I'm just I can't no, even believe. See, it. Ryan, here's my this is this is my problem, Ryan. So I have two sides. Number one, I'm glad that this generation, like right behind me, right behind both of us, actually, is so incompetent because it makes it easier <laughs> for me to get a job. But yeah. I also realize that in ten years, when I'm in charge of people, that I'm going to be in charge of people just like this. Yeah. So it's well. a double-edged sword. I can still have a job, but then I'm going to end up having a bunch of morons working for me in 10 years. I work Eric, with, you need to change work, your last name to Trump. Yeah, Eric Trump. <laughs> well, look, I, you can be, but I just, I just don't – I don't know how to make it really great. That's the only problem. <laughs> I well, don't know either. Or you could do the come-over. You could do that, Eric. I, I, have, I have enough facial hair right now. I might be able to do a come-over. But uh, you know, no shave November and everything, but not a not a top I do of that. So speaking of sensitive egos that are busted, uh, President-elect Trump uh, announced earlier this or, uh, last week his choice for Secretary of the Education, um, billionaire Betsy DeVos of Michigan, uh, who funds um, a an organization that supports school choice, and of course this pick has rattled teachers unions and. Um, and anti-school choice advocates, and they're calling this the worst pick ever. She's the most unqualified person for the job. 
But people like me who value choice and value a marketplace and value not defining education by a zip code, but instead giving kids and parents um, a reasonable selection of um, how to control their kids' education, um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is a great choice. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know all of her positions. I've read as much as I possibly can. But you know that if the unions, like Randy Weingartner, is out there blasting the new Secretary of Education, or soon-to-be, uh, all over cable news, uh, I see these statements. I see local teachers unions like the Washington County Republican or Washington County Teachers Association sharing it, and automatically <laughs> nice they flip say, there, Ryan. Yeah, right. No, exactly. Um, they want to bash. They want to bash her uh, because she supports school choice, charter schools, vouchers. Um, she supports everything that will take their power away. Exactly. I mean, if. If we could eliminate the teachers' association or the the union's monopoly on public education, we really could make it great again. So, is Betsy DeVos related to Rich DeVos? Do you know? Um, who is Rich DeVos? I don't know who that is. He made a ton of money in Amway. No, that's that's her. It's the yeah. It's the Amway family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The DeVosses have always been. Very conservative contributor. They gave to Reagan a lot in the 80s to the point where no, they actually, don't just he, give if you're a Republican. They, you have to be a conservative or, or in Trump's case, I guess, a fellow billionaire, whatever the hell he is, you know, have a ton of money. But, um, yeah, okay, I, just, I, I figured as much. It's all the spelling of DeVos, but – they are very conservative. These are similar to the, and, you know, Pete Coors of the Coors Brewing Company. Ran for of Senate course. a number of years ago. Be similar to him getting something out of Trump. Like I the McMahon family in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, Linda McMahon. That was great. Who, who is, um, I believe, up for some sort of position in the Trump administration? That's been widely discussed. Is she, is he, oh, yeah. I hope so. I hope so, because I mean, we I really could bring professional wrestling to the White House. <laughs> well, yeah, then we'd literally have, you know, idiocracy, okay? But, no, here, but you have to think about this from the business perspective, Ryan, okay? WWE, formerly known as WWF, has basically stomped every single competitor that they've had for the last, you know, 15 years. They destroyed WCW in the ratings by creating a better product. <laughs> they destroyed right. GCW. And then they bought those brands, brought them into their stuff. And now, as the only nationally broadcast wrestling product, they're still successful. You know, they're still putting out – they're still doing shows. They're still bringing up stars. And they're still making money, even though they have zero competition. So they have very – they don't have as much incentive to compete against another, you know, WCW or something. And the fact that they've been going as long as they have tells you something about their their business acumen. I mean, think about it. Like, WDF, WCW, you know, they took what used to happen in backyards and high school gyms and brought it into Madison Square Garden. So, yeah. like, if we could do that anywhere in the government, I'd be happy with that. Well, I would – I remember watching a clip of Donald Trump. He was on WWE – and he he was he went toe to toe with some wrestler. I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Stone Cold. Uh, it was it was somebody, yeah. and it was hilarious. Stone Cold. Uh, and he was in the yeah, ring. Donald Trump got classic. Um, he got uh, he got Stone Cold stunned by a Steve Austin back in the day. Yeah, Stone 
So, uh, you know, speaking of cabinet picks, and look, we have about four minutes until um, Hagerstown Merrill Eck Bombrucci joins the show, but uh, they some of the other people that he has picked so far, it looks like he's going to pick Wilbur Ross, another billionaire for commerce, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like that he's, let's see, earlier today I read that he initially wanted to choose Jerry Falwell Jr. for Secretary of Education, which I think would have been a bad decision. I, I don't understand that. Who did he – was it Carson that he ended up picking? What's that? No, Carson was hot. I'm sorry. Yeah, Who Carson, did he well, pick? Well, I don't know. Has Carson accepted? I haven't heard – I haven't read. Like, Has he actually accepted the position? Was it formally offered? I have no idea. A, I don't know. Is this a done deal? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's really, it's really hard to know if something's true or not because of all the damn fake news out there. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I and Carson's sort of an, a unique choice for HUD. I mean, I get it. He grew up. He's a great story. Inner cities of Baltimore. Uh, he he went on to become a world famous doctor. Went to Yale. This is a smart guy. And I I just remember his statements that he doesn't know if he's prepared or ready to be a cabinet secretary. But then you you follow that logically to the to its end, and you think, well, if you're not prepared to be a cabinet secretary, how the hell, why the hell did you ever run for president? I mean, that was sort of interesting that he said that, and but he, he had a history of saying quite a few bizarre, yeah, utterances. stuff that just made no sense. He tried to add it all together. And right, like, your opinion is, nice is just guy. socialism. That's what it is. Yeah, it's socialism, I mean, and we can't have that okay. in America. No, we can't. <laughs> That's to Fidel. That was like a um, so who else? Who else is up for a position? You have um, – I hope that he chooses Mattis for his defense secretary. There's a guy that, that I really – That guy like. would be awesome. Yeah. He yes, has to get I, a waiver. That guy would be unbelievable. I think so too. However, I think he still has to get some sort of waiver um, – being that uh, he's been, I think, three years removed from the military, and Congress says that it has to be seven. So Congress would, in in effect, have to pass a law to to approve Mattis. Um, I do believe that Trump might have some problems getting through Jeff Sessions. I'm not sure he'll probably make it, but I think Jeff Sessions is going to have an interesting confirmation hearing as AG. Do you? Yeah, that's Oh, uh, no, yeah, he's he always struck me as a pretty interesting guy, but I don't remember what it was, but like 20 years ago, he was up for the court or whatever, and someone made sure he didn't get it. It might have been the Clinton administration. And I remember when Session first got elected to the Senate, I was very pleased to hear that. I do disagree with his stance on marijuana, saying some only bad people or whatever, stupid people do that, whatever it was he said, yeah. because that was just dumb. Yeah. But again, oh, yeah. he's one of the old line. Well, how old is he? He's probably. I bet she's got me by eight or ten years. I'm fifty-seven. So, but I think Sessions is like seventy, sixty-eight. Oh, so 70, he got me by thirteen. 50, he's got me about eleven to fifteen years. Then. But still, it's like my father was the same way, and he could talk to people. Didn't care what they did, but when he would get you alone, like, oh well, they smoke pot. You can't talk with him. You can't deal with him. He's 69. And I'm thinking, well, why? Yeah. But that's if that's the work. But again, AG, you're right. He could have some issues. He might. He might. Um, but he the won't real... be any worse than Eric Holder. No. Well, that's well, true. That is I mean, true. we're not going. 
not have a gun running scandal on our on our hands. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. Could you that imagine Trump... if that crap had happened under a Trump administration? Oh, how the media would have been? Oh, absolutely. And you see, yeah, that no part of what's hurt the media too. It's yeah. because you can't. But people, thankfully, are smart enough now to realize it. Right. This, this yeah. election cycle proved that, that people are just done with that crap. Again, <laughs> when the New York Times comes out and says, we're going to rededicate ourselves to honest reporting. In other words, we just spent the last six fucking months lying to everybody. Well, that told me I, a lot. They were really, they were pretty hard on Donald Trump, the New York Times. And the New York Times has some good feature stories um they they cover uh they do cover criminal justice issues um pretty well i i like some of their i like some of their commentary i mean just i mean i read that and i also read uh the wall street journal every day and who has a a much different opinion piece uh or, or editorial board um so, you know, it just – it all depends, I think, that – but if you have to rededicate yourself to journalism, then maybe <laughs> that's a major problem, it just, isn't it? That, it just blew my mind that they would even write that, and because yeah. that's basically just telling everyone we just spent the last six or however long lying to you mm. when you're going to rededicate yourself to honestly reporting. Right. What the hell does that even right. mean? You're, but you're also assuming that people even can figure that out and deduce that from the statement. See, that's right. the problem. Well, I what did, and if I can do it, I think playing on ignorance. No, right. I don't think most people, I don't think most readers would, would get that. I think what they would say is, oh, well, you know, yeah, the New York Times, they had to embellish because Trump is so dangerous. And so now they're going to get back to what? reporting all of a sudden. That's what, the, that's what they're saying to themselves. I'm not saying they're right. But, you know, I have a lot of liberal friends who I hear this sort of stuff from all the time. And so I, sometimes I face palm, sometimes I just let them be wrong. Right. Sometimes I fish uh, Paul. Maybe Bob Ruchi <laughs> forgot the show was tonight. I told him it was. I said it was six four six seven one six five nine seven one. Uh I don't think Bob would stand me up. Uh, and, but if he does, that's okay. And other people can call in too if you want, you know. Yeah, I mean this is we're just having fun here. Uh six four six seven one six five nine seven one. That's the the number to the show. Eric and I Oh, there's Bob. Okay. Ah. Hey, Bob. How are you? Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Marilect Bob Rucci, we'll switch directions. Uh, hey, so, Mr. Marilect, uh, you are going to be sworn in tomorrow night, is that right? Yeah, tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Yep. You've, you've, you've been through that a few times, haven't you? Yeah, a couple times already, yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to say, uh, Bob, congratulations. We're I'm really proud of of you and I'm I support the vision that you have for my hometown of Hagerstown, Maryland. I'm glad you decided to to come on and uh you you rate you waged a, an aggressive campaign and you talked about the issues and it came down to where you know we always say every vote counts but every vote really did count in this election because you beat your opponent um what by 100 or so votes 125 yeah <laughs> is that the closest margin yeah. ever? No, actually, uh, Bill Breckner beat me in 2001 by 68 votes. Wow. That was close. Yeah. yeah. So, so. Um, well, you have 
a bit of a new council this time, and that's uh, I think that will be a good thing. We had one one city councilman had retired in the city of Hagerstown, um, uh, Marty Brubaker, who was on the council for several years, a good guy, and uh, we had Penny Nye, who was on the council on and off. She was uh, she was defeated by Lou Metzner by what like ten votes? Well, that's not over yet. Um, just so you okay. know, she uh, yeah, there, there'll, there'll be a recount, um, and we won't know the final outcome of that until Friday, so this coming Friday. So, so nobody will be sworn in for that seat tomorrow. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Well. Uh, okay. Uh, it'll just uh, you know, I'll swear in the uh, I'll be sworn in by the clerk of the court, Dennis. Uh, um, oh my goodness! <laughs> Was it Denny Weaver? Uh, yeah, Denny Weaver. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was, uh, I'm watching TV at the same time I'm talking to you, so uh, that's, that's probably my fault. Uh, but right. uh, and then and then I'll uh, I'll swear in the four council members. Um, yeah. Wait so until I'm, Friday to swear in the fifth one. I'm really excited about Emily Keller and Paul Quarterman. I think you're going to have a great team there. Uh, Emily Keller ran one of the best city council campaigns that I've ever seen, as well as did Paul Quarterman. You're going to have two people with an optimistic vision for the future of Hagerstown. And quite frankly, Bob, I think we needed to, I think we needed to mix that up a bit, and uh, we, we we got two two new interesting people, and of course. Uh, the other two left are Kristen Alshire and uh, Don Munson. So you're, I think you're going to have a, a promising council, Bob. I really do. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where you take it. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, you know, the great thing uh, about having a first council uh, because you'll have some new blood, but you'll also have some continuation of council people who, who have who have been there before and know the history and uh, um, it can help to mentor the other uh, council members, if you will. Uh, but um, uh, I, I, as long as I can uh, achieve my goals and, and get, you know, three votes on each of, uh, of my initiatives and I'm, I, I'm very happy. I'm not going to be able to get a 5-0 vote all the time. I understand that. Uh, but, uh, you know, as long as I can uh, sell my case to uh, to three of them and have them understand the benefits of it and, uh, and get their support, then, then we'll move forward. Well, I, you know, you ran a campaign that was squarely focused on a few issues, which was fiscal responsibility and um, – and you talked a lot about uh, your the interaction with the police, and I think you're going to we're going to see some some new and innovative ideas in the city. So, Bob, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about your goals and what you hope to accomplish in the next four years. Sure. Well, you know, one of the things for sure is uh, uh, yeah, we have to get our budget under control. Um, unfortunately, we're facing uh, currently uh, in uh, uh, projections for next year, uh, we're already facing a $1.3 million deficit, and um, and that's predicated upon a, a 4.3% uh, uh, revenue growth, which is really unheard of in the city of Hagerstown unless you add a tax increase to that. Uh, it's the only time we've been above uh, probably uh, 3.5%. Uh, so I really feel that that $1.3 million deficit is going to be more like $1.8 to almost $2 million. Um, not impossible to overcome, um, but 
but it, it'll take some tweaking in next year's budget to make it happen, uh, to be able to uh, have a balanced budget and uh, and not raise taxes and, uh, and cut services to do it. Um, I truly believe that we have uh, don't have a revenue problem in the city, uh, considering that this administration has increased revenue by over $15 million over the last three years. We have a yeah, spending problem. Um, yeah, we're not uh, uh, we're not focused on uh, on priorities for spending. Uh, you know, there's uh, I I always look at the budget as as two budgets. Uh, one is a, a a needs budget, and the other is a wants budget. And uh, as long as we address their needs budget first, uh, then I believe that uh, uh, whatever we want to do in the wants budget, we can accomplish. But we have to take care of the needs first, and I don't believe this administration has has done that in the past uh, four years. So that's um, one of my major initiatives is to get the budget under control. So, Bob, I know during the campaign you talked about the trail to nowhere. And for people who are listening, and even for our, our for Eric and, and Joe, um, we're in, in the city of Hagerstown. They put through a few proposals during the last administration. And one of those proposals, um, which is supposed to generate downtown activity, um, was this trail, this nature trail that's going to be built in the city. And you talked about it. In fact, I think you labeled it the, the trail to nowhere. And you're now moving forward. Will will that still have a place in this administration? Or are you looking to ax that? Well, you know, you can't ax it because they've already got the majority of the trail completed. Um, and if you, know, if, you, if you drive through town, you'll be able to see if you go down Baltimore Street or, or Antietam Street. Uh, River by City Park, um, the trail is actually complete, and then the lights are up. Um, but there's, you know, there's, um, uh, there, there, we we may have to slow down our progress on that a little bit, uh, considering the the deficit that we're facing next year. Um, you know, it's a, and it's not just a. The trail to nowhere. It's you know it's been named a couple other things too, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, the real name of course is a cultural path. But uh, yeah, yeah. you know it's a uh, uh, it's been called the heroin highway. It's been you know it's been called all kinds uh-huh. of things. Uh, <laughs> you know you, oh, you know man. there's a um, there you know there really is a, a a place and time for for initiatives such as that. Um, and unfortunately, I. I don't believe it was the right time. I, I, I don't. Again, I don't think we focused on uh, the priorities, uh, you know, these past couple of years, um, and instead wrapped, you know, through all of our uh, our aids and the baskets of the uh, urban partners plan. Um, and you know, I believe that we have to maybe pull back a little on that, and um, you know, maybe focus a, a little more attention on the county's plan uh, for this hub project. Uh, right. I, I truly believe that that'll have a, 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 a bigger impact, uh, and along with that, will come a parking deck on West Antietam Street. Uh, Good, which, we need which it. I believe it's, <laughs> oh, we, 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 we've been talking about it for 20 years. Um, we we definitely need it uh, if we're ever going to see, you know, rehabilitation of Summit Avenue and uh, the second and first block of West Washington, the first block of Jonathan, of course, the block of West Antietam. Um, you know, that will be a, uh, a huge uh, uh, benefit uh, for, for the revitalization of those areas. Uh, um, but but, that's, uh, but that's, that's a big ticket item, you know. 
Bob, one of the issues that were on the ballot uh, this year in major discussion was uh, the city's relationship with some of the labor groups and binding arbitration was front and center. And let's talk a little bit about that. I I know that back in, I believe it was July, um, it was put to a vote before the council, and I think it passed four to one. Am I correct in that? Uh, actually, the, I, I don't know that it that it did that. Um, I don't think it's ever been a. Uh, I, I will tell you, binding arbitration has uh, has always probably been more like a three-two vote uh, with yeah. Munson and Kristen against it all the time, um, and and Marty against it actually. So you know, three-two may be the other way with just Lou and Penny uh, being the only two who supported it. Uh, the whole way through this process, but with the uh, uh, the ballot question, of course, it passed uh, hugely uh, in favor uh, of bond arbitration. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like eighty percent or something like that. Um, yeah. I'd... So uh, it's it's something that we have to you know we have to address. Uh, and you know, and when I was uh, out at the polls on uh, on election day, uh, police and fire had representatives at all the polls. Uh, pushing that initiative and you know, I got to talk with all of them and you know, and, and I understand that they uh they feel that they need uh, recourse of some sort, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the city not negotiating good faith and I will tell you that uh we we we'd never had this issue prior to this administration. Uh, you know, we always bargained in good faith. Um and you know, I mean uh, so so I can understand that they felt they needed recourse. Um and we all agree that, you know, let's do everything we can never to have to use binding arbitration. Well, and I agree, actually, yeah. You know, you're actually bargaining good faith and, and, and you know, pass contracts that make sense. And, you know, uh, but but the biggest thing is communication, Ryan. And, and unfortunately, this sure. administration it was lacking in communication on all fronts. So well, that's where it came uh, from. And you mentioned the keyword communication, and that's another major priority. And I, the big, a big, an important topic for me, um, and we talk a lot about it on on this show, is the the community and police relations. Um, and I know that that was a central piece in your campaign, Bob. And regarding the city of Hagerstown and its police department, um, what's what's the vision moving forward now that we have a new police captain, uh, or excuse me, a new police chief? Um, what, how, how will you as a mayor interact with the police force and what are your expectations of law enforcement? Well, you know, um, I, I have a long history with our police department dating back to when I was you know, eight years old and, uh, had open heart surgery and had 26 planks of police officers put at me <laughs> from the guys that uh, worked for my dad. Uh, he was a city cop here for 26 years. Uh, you, you know, it's, uh, uh, we have a great department. We have great police officers. Uh, we do a tremendous uh, uh, amount of good in our community for uh, uh, for what we have. And and uh, the chief and I, uh, Chief Preto and I, have uh, probably uh, I bet we probably talked uh, thirty times over the last six months. Uh, and uh, we we both seem to be on the same page. And, and that and that page means we have to uh you know, we, we have to retrain good we retain good employees and, and, and good police officers because if we don't then we gotta replace, you know, five, six, seven a year, 
uh, it's eighty thousand dollars a clip each time we have to replace the car. Uh, so that gets to be very expensive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Bob, I'm excited about your new administration. I think that there's a lot of promise there. Uh, Emily Keller and Paul Quarterman are are, are going to bring that fresh perspective, and they have a pulse on what people want. Um, inside the city of Hagerstown, uh, even though I don't live in, in Washington County any longer, um, my family lives there, um, and it's, it's sure, such yeah. an important part of my, my family DNA. My granddaddy um, worked for the city of Hagerstown's light plant for over 30 years. Um, he retired from the city of Hagerstown. He, he gets a pension from the city of Hagerstown. Um, I was born and raised in the city. I mean, it's home. It's, I mean, Bob, every time I drive through the city of Hagerstown, there's a sense of pride that I have about my community, and I still consider it my community. And uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time there and, and have invested, it, and I want to see it moving in a positive direction. I'd love to see um, the business climate where people spend more time in downtown Hagerstown. I'd love to see that um, in, in the next administration a, a keen partnership between uh, the Board of Education and the city of Hagerstown and putting – and front and center education projects in downtown Hagerstown, and I hope that's something that um, will be on your list of priorities as well. Well, keep in mind, I mean, you know, uh, the University of Maryland is downtown for a reason. Um, yeah, you were part of that. Know, I was a huge part of that. I, I was uh, the most hated uh, elected official in the city, in Washington County, probably for a couple of years, <laughs> because I was the one who uh, pushed Governor, Governor Glenn Denning into putting it downtown. Uh, you know, and I was very instrumental with this one. Um, I, yeah, you know, I believe course. that you know if we can mix educational needs uh, in our core along with other projects, that's great. Uh, but you got to remember something too, Ryan. Uh, we can't continue to take buildings off the tax rolls uh, and you know make them uh, you know tax exempt uh, through uh, uh, you know through the board of ed or the, or the state board of ed or whatever. Uh, you know, we've got to. Uh, try to hang on to what tax base we have. Uh, and uh, so I've always been a huge proponent of, of actually of government not owning their buildings, uh, but government leasing their buildings and, and being able to keep those buildings on the tax rolls. Well, it helps um, out uh, several different ways. My dogs are going crazy. Agreed. There's a, uh, there's a siren <laughs> someplace. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Bob, hot air. <laughs> Bob, one, uh, one final one final question for you. Um, people still ask, and you've you've had the last four years. Uh, you've worked with the Hagerstown Suns um, as the AGM, and you've done a, a tremendous. You've had a tremendous role um, with the Suns organization. You've since um, are now in a, in a in a great new position. Um, but uh, what's here's the question that a lot of people, and I I still hear from people. What's the future of the Suns? You know, the future of Suns is going to be whatever uh, whatever that conversation ends up to be. Uh, and unfortunately, we have we have failed to have that conversation in the last four years uh, from this administration about whether or not the Suns want to stay or or you know uh, uh, you know and I'll, and I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Uh, a conversation was had between the owner of the Suns, Bruce Quinn, and this administration in April of 2013, and then there was nothing uh, for three years, no conversation. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, uh, I, I believe that the first thing we actually have to do is have a conversation about whether or not they want to stay. 
And then that would that seem work from there. Yeah, I would think yeah. so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bob, uh, what time tomorrow night and where are you being sworn in at? Uh, it'll be in the Castle Chamber at 7 p.m. And we'll uh, 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 we'll televise it live, of course, and we'll stream it live. Uh, so, okay. uh, HagerstownMD.org. So. Okay. Um, Mayor-elect uh, Bob Rucci will be sworn in tomorrow night. And, Bob, I don't know the the number of mayors, but do you know on the uh, – the rolling roster of mayors, what number you'll be in that line of succession? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't, I, I really don't know because there's been some, because I've been at several times. So I don't know. I don't exactly know okay. what that number is. Uh, yeah, but, I, mean, uh, I have to find out for you at some point in time. Okay. So tomorrow, 7 p.m. Um, and what's the address, Bob? So people, if they want to show One up. East, One East Franklin Street. One East Franklin Street, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Uh, Bob Rucci will be sworn in as Hagerstown's new mayor, along with the uh, the Hagerstown, four members of the Hagerstown City Council. And as you mentioned earlier, we're still – there's a recount taking place for that fifth hanging uh, council seat, so we'll know whether uh, Lou Metzner uh, or – our Penny Nye will be the next uh, city council person uh, on on Friday. So, Bob, uh, yep. congratulations on your victory. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. So, ladies and gentlemen, it was Mayor-elect Bob Rucci. Uh, Bob's a great guy, great Republican, I should mention. And so, guys, what did you think? There's a, there's a, there's a real future in Hagerstown. He seems to know his stuff. And and this, you know, Hagerstown and Frederick are both unique cities because they're large. They both have Republican mayors, and yeah. they are pretty important, especially in the sixth district. They are, they will always be a very the crux of the sixth district. That is where yeah. you can flip an audience. That's where you can flip oh. a seat. And so, you know, in all reality, like we need people like Bob Brushy. Um, we need we need Republicans in these municipal seats across state so that Bob Bruschi, when he decides to retire, he might want to become delegate, or at least he can pave the way for another Republican so that people don't think we're a bunch of racist, sexist, homophobic bigots. <laughs> you know, we can show people that we're halfway reasonable. Okay. You have to build your party from the ground up. Right. Well, I just wanted to mention, Eric, that during the election in 2014, a longtime delegate, state delegate, who represented the city of Hagerstown? It was a guy by the name of John Delano. Or I'm sorry, John Delano. He's John Donahue uh, was defeated by delegate Brett Wilson, and Brett Wilson has been a friend of the show. Brett Wilson is um, a, a, a fantastic uh, new state delegate, a Republican who has placed uh, criminal justice issues front and center. Um, he's with us on many issues and. He hasn't been um, – he's an independent thicker, thinker. He hasn't been sucked into the vortex of, uh, you know, are you a – you know, this kind of conservative, that kind of conservative. But he's a very bright future, and in Washington County um, on the state level, uh, Eric uh, and, and Joe, they have no Democratic elected officials. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, there's no Democrats elected to state office um, that to to either one of the the lower or the upper chamber. So we have all Republicans elected in our state delegation. 
uh, and see. It's a little, it, it's impressive. Little. Eric, what's going on oh. in Frederick County? Oh, well, hey, Frederick County has been, fortunately, it hasn't been uh, as crazy as it was a little, you know, last week. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, more uh, central committee drama has temporarily died out. Um, my sources are telling me that uh, those uh, those new rule, the proposals for the central committee are going to hit, um, I think they're voting on them sometime this week. Uh, the Republican, uh, the Frederick County Republican Central Committee will be voting on them, I believe, tomorrow night. Um, and so, you know, just as a reminder, essentially what this is, is this would be adding um, provisions in the um, Central Committee's bylaws to remove members for violating confidentiality of closed sessions and uh, basically harassing people. Um, so... It looks like uh, it was delayed a week. It was supposed to be last Monday, but I believe something came up with some of the members and they weren't able to make it. But anyways, they'll be voting on that very shortly. Um, and well, then I, I would I would I would expect to see some, uh, you know, you don't propose changes to your like ejection bylaws for no reason. So I would highly expect either um, somebody's going to resign, somebody's going to get kicked off, or somebody's going to decide to file a lawsuit after they get kicked off. Um, so I think we'll be hearing about that very in the next uh, few weeks. See what happens in Frederick County, Joe. Lots of crazy stuff. Man. Yeah, that's a little bit off the wall, even for Republican politics in Maryland. Well, Joe, let me tell you, like I've been, uh, I've been, I've been kind of following the uh, the escapades of uh, of uh, some some certain members on the Central Committee, namely uh, Joey Lynn Huff, um, for the last year now, and uh, essentially. It is my, it is my personal belief that a lot, most of these bylaws are a result of, you know, basically, um, in the the rumors that I've heard, are that uh, these bylaws are direct results of her stab, trying to sabotage the committee and trying to start fights during the committee proceedings in open session with people in the audience watching. Um, so the rumor mill is telling me that um, that's why these were proposed. That's why they're what? Um, that's why these these changes were proposed. Was uh, okay. you know, essentially, um, you know, and this was actually widely reported by the Frederick News Post. Um, documents from a closed session of the Republican Central Committee have somehow made it made it to the newspaper. Um, it included uh, um, it, was, it was this whole it was a, it was a fake controversy. That's the worst part about it, Joe. So I did a little bit of digging and I did a little bit of looking around. So apparently, the Republican Central Committee was to discuss in closed session giving a – essentially, they wanted to print Trump signs, okay, because people out here in Frederick County love Trump signs. We were actually selling Trump signs for $3 a piece and selling hats for like 25 bucks because people love the dang things. But because of how campaign finance laws work, of course, if we sell a Trump sign, it has to be an authority line. So – and the problem is that the, the county central committee is not registered with the FEC. Um, so there was this whole, like, so essentially the, the, um, the chairman, Billy Shreve, had purchased these signs. They were blank. didn't have anything on them. And the committee was, the, the central committee was ha- going to have to vote on basically whether and discuss whether or not they could actually print the Trump Pence and then who has the authority line at the bottom. And it, there was a question mark next to it, like, can we actually do this? Somebody took that, those documents to the Frederick News Post 
and claimed the central committee had already made the expenditure. And thus Who would that somebody be? Would that somebody be Jerry Lindhoff? The rumor mill that I have not been able to confirm says that it was her. Yes. That's the rumor you guys mill. know. I've met her. I like her. I don't know that much about her. I know she was a central committee chairman for a while, wasn't she? But, um, yeah, she was a chairwoman for 20, um, 2015, basically. And that's all I really know about Joey Lynn Hoff. I mean, I know she's Michael Hoff, Senator Michael Hoff's wife. I've heard the name Billy Shreve. He's the current chairman out there, right? Billy yep. Shreve, though, and I'm not kidding in the least. I don't know what you guys think about him. I'm going to say this before you guys have a chance. I have <laughs> yet to hear, I have yet to hear one, one, I'm holding up one finger now, single good word anyone has ever said about Billy Shreve, ever. That's all. I, I, he gets trashed to me. I've never met the guy. Wow. I wouldn't know him if I walked into him. That guy gets trashed to me so much, it's not even funny. <laughs> He's a magnet for that kind of stuff, Joe. And, I mean, look, I'm, I'm definitely not a Billy Shreve fan at all. But after a year of all the damage that Joey Linhoff did to the Central Committee and did to alienate like half the over half the Republicans in the county, um, Billy Shreve stepped in and he was able to actually bring us together. There was there was a time period. Well, Joey Linhoff was chairwoman, Joe. That anybody who went to the Republican Club did not go to the Central Committee functions, fundraisers, anything, and vice versa. And it was because there was this this artificial divide that the Huffzali team had created during the 2014 election. And honestly, and, and basically, you know, we as me, when I say we, I mean me as in part of this, the Republican club basically said, we're not going to play, we're not going to play these sorts of these games. We're not going to play this, this bullshit that happened during the 2014 election. So we just refused to support the central committee. Uh, we didn't pay, we didn't write checks. We didn't go to their fundraisers, didn't go to their events. We didn't volunteer for their booths. Um, we just volunteered for the club. And then basically people start, people on the Central Committee saw that, and they started seeing this pattern of, of behavior from uh, Joylyn Huff, and so they voted her out as chairwoman. Mm. I mean, she got voted out. She didn't, it's not, she didn't say, I'm not going to – she didn't step down. She was voted out by the Central Committee. And so you know, now, a year later, Billy Shreve, you know, which, yes, I have – I think he's a terrible county councilman. Okay, I think he's an obnoxious asshole. But he has done a lot of work to bring both sides of the Republican Party here in Frederick County together. And this is the worst part, Joe. It's not even a partisan. It's not actually a political divide. It's a personality divide. Okay, because I can believe we've, that. We've yeah. Talked, yeah, as we've talked about and documented here. Okay, Michael Huff endorsed a Republican city councilman, Vaughn Ripley who was spent his, his, this last election campaigning for John Delaney. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, so like, and, and that he was endorsed and funded by Michael Huff. Okay. So, you know, the Huff camp has never been about, you know, it's not about conservative values. It's not about like, you know, who, who, you know, basically who's going to cut taxes the most. It's just about people that they like for their personality, people that they can get along with people that kiss the ring, however you want to put it. And who, so who they can control. Billy Shreve has, yeah, and who they can control exactly. Billy Shreve has done a lot to undo all of that damage that had been done over the last year. So I have, well, you know, I, I said this, I said this on my Wednesday show, Joe. Like, 
I have to give him credit. As the chairman of the Republican Central Committee, he's done a great job. As a county councilman, he's done a terrible job. Well, thank you, Eric. You've at least given me – I can no longer say I've never heard anything good said about him. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has something good, you know, I mean, unless you're Fidel Castro. And you well, see where mm-hmm. I hear that news is on a minor detail, not on Red Maryland. So. <laughs> well, they, yeah. I, I believe they – didn't Red Maryland write a nasty article about Billy Shreve that was lopsided and it caused a lot of consternation that they didn't have any of the facts. They just kind of went out and wrote this ridiculous article that did not, of course, paint Billy Shreve because they are loyalists to the Huff team. And so they – anytime that Red Maryland is a loyal to a certain group or a person – that even though if the person has a compelling argument, they will always go out and make nonsensical arguments. They did the same thing to uh, to Ami Hober. They they do it to a lot of people. That's why Red Maryland. Actually, go ahead. Ryan, Sorry. let me just tell you guys Sorry. one second. I like Michael Huff because personally, I like him. I think he's a nice guy to talk with. But he was the first elected official statewide that endorsed. Nicolae Ambrose when Ambrose ran against um, Audrey Scott. And that is – but I also like – so I like Michael Hoff, but I also am a big fan of Kelly Schultz. I really like her too. Right. I, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. belong to either of those groups. I try well, to be as good. fair as I can to both of them because I have wow. friends who have came from each group, Michael Hoff and Kelly Schultz. They came from their own groups. No, honestly, I'm not. I don't dislike Brinkley, but I'm not a big fan. I'm not. I don't dislike him, but I'm not a big fan of his. And Kathy Azali, what a waste of time she is! Good <laughs> lord! Mm. Wait, oh wait, my! Wait, God. I, I, I still have it here. Bob, to you. I'm not allowed to. It's your highness. Up. Oh. <laughs> Our wonderful state delegate, your highness, Kathy Azali. She's a pain. She isn't. Well, anyway, we have her update. Oh on my Frederick. God! I thought she was actually on the phone. Oh no, mm-hmm. no! This is a this is this is the best sound clip ever, Joe. Bob, yeah, you? I heard it. I'm, I'm not like, allowed to. It's your highness. Oh. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> We're gonna be playing that a lot for the next two years. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and she does deserve it. Honestly, you're gonna say something that stupid. And just introduce yourself as your highness. I don't care who she's talking to. That deserves to be into people's heads. Mm-hmm. Plus, she's been really oh, nasty, God. too. She was really nasty to Kelly Scholes when they were delegates together. And, you know, Kelly, you know Kelly, Eric, and Joe. She's a very – she's a wonderful person, and she's bright. Oh, she's this so is... – yes, yeah, she's so smart. She's so sweet. What? How can anyone not like her? How can anybody uh, not like Kelly Scholes? And I, exactly. I tend to agree with her her politics. She has a bright future in Maryland. She really has a bright future. Yes, she does. So, I'm excited. I'm not even going to discuss her other attributes. <laughs> we'll just leave her She's well, very nice and she is very smart. I'll just leave her right there. <laughs> well, um, speaking of somebody who's not very nice and not very smart at all um, – Joe, you've been following, and Eric, I know you've been following the Karen Harshman debacle up in Washington County. She is, uh, she is slated to be, uh, the case will be heard on December the 5th, 
before the Maryland State Board of Education to decide um, how they're going to proceed on whether they throw her off the board or they or they they turn it back to the local board. But it it appears that my sources inside of the State Board of Education and people downstate are telling me that this is a locked deal that she is she has irrevocably damaged herself beyond repair. And it looks like that they're going to ultimately decide to to get rid of her. And she hired this sleazebag lawyer uh, who is trying to get the Board of Education to pay for her legal expenses. So it's, it's, it's quite a mess. She really messed up in claiming that the school system harbors sexual predators, that they do nothing about it, and... She basically claimed that they moved them from one school to the next. She didn't give any names. She refused to give the names to the superintendent after these comments went public on social media, and she lied. And then she lied and tried to cover it up by claiming that it was one of her colleagues on the Board of Education out of political spite. This is just a really bad person uh, who should not have any interaction with kids, who shouldn't have any interaction uh, shouldn't have any authority whatsoever over a $300 million operating budget. And quite frankly, it would be unprecedented for the State Board of Education to remove her. They've done it before with other board members, but this is such a clear-cut legal case that I can't imagine it going in any other direction. Now, I've been wrong before, but um, I, I think I have yeah. I think I have the insight. <laughs> Jeb Bush. Well, well yeah, okay. I, I, but this is a completely different context here. Um, the good news is, is that um, no matter what happens, she's been thoroughly embarrassed, and if she were to run in 2018, there would be almost no way, even for Washington <coughs> County, God bless them, would support Karen Harshman. She's lost the trust of a lot of parents, and she made a real fool out of herself. So that is to be decided on December the 5th. Eric, I will keep you and Joe in touch with that, and I want to move back to um, <clears throat> the a Trump a Trump story here, real quick. There's this internal oh. battle going on for Secretary of State, and it's will he or won't he with Mitt Romney, and the his some of his internal advisors are literally coming out. I've never seen this before. They are publicly coming out on television to manipulate Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Newt Gingrich, and it's this battle between him or Giuliani or perhaps John Bolton and. I'm hearing now that David Petraeus could be in the running as well as um, Senator Bob Corker. Bob Corker, yeah. I, I, I really don't know if it's going to be Mitt, but I'm a big fan of of Romney in many ways. Uh, I don't think that I don't think Romney would ultimately bow down and 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 kiss Trump's ring or publicly apologize for anything that he said. And there's a lot of internal heat that his own team is putting on him. Ultimately, Trump is the decider. And I've read a lot of reports that he has been going around talking to people amongst his staff um, and his closest advisors that, you know, to say, well, you know, what do you think about this secretary of state job? Because, look, secretary of state is, in my opinion, the most important cabinet level position, plus they're fourth in line to the presidency. So if the president, vice president and speaker of the House were to all be um, tragically killed or wiped out in something – the next person in line would be Secretary of State. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it will be? Do you think it will be Mitt Romney, or do you think that he'll he'll point a Giuliani, or let's just say a Petraeus or Corker? I don't know who it's going to be, but I will say this about Mitt: I've not been the biggest Mitt Romney fan. 
But uh-huh. Secretary of State, you want a statesman, obviously. And although I know this is going to piss off a shitload of the Trump people out there, I think of the group you mentioned, Romney would be the best guy. Because ultimately, for, this, for what's going to happen with the United States, with Trump as a president, Romney will certainly have a say, but he's going to do what Trump wants, ultimately. Of course. <clears throat> and with that knowledge, but he has the face, plus he knows some of the players already. Wasn't he Mr. Olympics guy? Didn't he oh, yeah. do the he, International Olympics Committee? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he's been around the world. He knows a lot of these people. So I would just make and, – and I have nothing against Giuliani, although I think he's way too much of a neocon. I have nothing against <laughs> him in that position. But he strikes me – first of all, I would pull David Clark. I wouldn't even put that sheriff, whoever the hell he is, over Homeland Security. I'd put Giuliani there, and I'd make Romney Secretary of State. It would be that simple. Yeah, I know Kellyanne Conway apparently doesn't like Romney, and I know Gingrich doesn't, but I don't care. It's my choice if I'm the president-elect. And I think Trump would be doing himself ultimately, ultimately, a probably a pretty good service if he made it wrong. Yeah, he could bind the party together. There's there's still a faction, and there's a significant portion of the party that is now very pro-Trump, and they they came around in the end. And as I I really did expect them that they would, but there's still a lot of us. I mean, that still admire Romney, and as you said, as a statesman, um, and I think that he is a level-headed approach. He's been right about Russia. He has been right on most of the foreign policy um, that he debate. When he, I remember during the infamous debates between him and Obama in, in 2012, oh, yeah. most most of what Romney has said has ultimately proven true. Um, you are right. I, I Absolutely. Read, I read I read a piece today that was pushing for um, <laughs> was pushing for um, oh it was for Rand Paul to be Secretary of State. That'll never happen, but that would be my dream choice. <laughs> no I would way. love to have Rand. That would be my first choice too, obviously. But if it's not Rand, among the names you mentioned, Corker wouldn't be the worst. But I would go with Romney or I Trump. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? I think Milo Yiannopoulos should be the Secretary of State. <laughs> Jesus. Because think, he, he already travels around the world. He is British. Okay, mm-hmm. and. You know, you need to add some diversity to that cabinet, right? So what's better than, like, the most flaming homosexual, like, out in public right now? And, of course, you know, it would really, I would also really enjoy just seeing liberals' heads explode for the next, like, three weeks about how shameful it is that Milo Yiannopoulos is now the Secretary of State. Because, you know, I'm still convinced that the Trump presidency is a complete joke. So I figure that we should just continue perpetuating the joke until people start to catch on. Well, he'll have some important decisions to make. I ultimately, in my heart of hearts, and I've been wrong throughout this entire election, but I don't think he picks Romney because he takes his advisors seriously. And it comes down to really one one or two people in the administration. And I think it's going to come down to Who's that? You know, what does Ivanka my, my serious want answer, and Ryan? what does Jared Kushner yeah. want? I th- you know if I had to give you a serious answer, I'd say that dude who's that a uh, that pay the former PayPal CEO, um, that guy, oh. um, Peter Peter Phil, yeah, yeah, that's who. The, if if I had to make a legitimate guess, I would think that he would appoint Peter Thiel as Secretary of State because obviously PayPal is an international company. Okay, he's actually German apparently. I'm just looking at his uh, um. 
his 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 wiki page here real quick. But that's that's where I would that's where I would put him. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, and then okay. and then honestly, what I would then do is I would tell my my press secretary anybody that criticizes him, um, ask the ask the reporter why they're so afraid of gay men, um, and then just shut <laughs> them up. You know, just adopt the strategy of the left every <laughs> once in a while. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do. <laughs> so. Um, he has a few more uh, of his cabinet picks, and um, looks like, like I said, Wilbur Ross is expected to, I believe he's going to be the next Commerce Secretary. That's an important role. I believe our current Secretary of Commerce is a, um, is, is, well, no, wait, Tom Perez is a Marylander, and I believe he's the Secretary of Labor, if I'm not correct. That's so. correct. Um, and then, of course, the Education Secretary is Betsy DeVos. The UN Ambassador, Nikki Haley, that was an interesting selection. I, I think that that was a, a good choice. Um, I like Nikki Haley, and I think that she's been, even though she's been critical of Trump, I do think that um, she may fare well. Um, well, you need a, you need a woman anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they have Housing and Urban Development Secretary, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Ben Carson. CIA director is Mike Pompeo. There's an interesting choice. Um, I, I, I think he might have a tough confirmation hearing based upon everything that I've read about him. Yes, yeah, so, so do uh, I. He's, he's very big in the whole data collection stuff and all that. But that that troubles me. And I know Rand Paul yeah, has come it troubles out. Troubles me a lot too. And then you have Michael T. Flynn, um, retired Army Lieutenant General and former. Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, Flynn's, I don't think Flynn goes through a confirmation, does he? For for National Security Advisor, I'm not sure that he does. I don't think he does either. I don't know. Uh, and so now the next another big another the big two will be Treasury and Defense. Who will who will be Treasury? And it's looking like it's going to be a uh, the the Goldman Sachs guy. Um, I think you say is Munchkin, Stephen Munchkin. Um, yeah. But they're also they're also throwing around names like former Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty, uh, Jeb Henserling, who is the uh, the Texas chairman of the, the the House Financial Services Committee, or Thomas Barrack, Barrack Jr., former chairman and executive of Colony Capital, and he was a private real estate developer. So you want somebody in there. At Treasury, that really has a solid grasp. Mitt Romney actually wouldn't be a bad Treasury Secretary. No, he wouldn't. Palenti'd be interesting, to be honest. Oh uh, yeah. I don't then, like of the idea of Munchkin, though. No, I'll be well the Goldman Sachs thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's why. But I, because mm-hmm. again, there's just too much of that crap over and over and over. So pick another brokerage house, but no more Goldman Sachs crap. Yeah, can um, we pick um, one that believes in the gold standard? Like, let's go there. Let's make that the rule. We should. The Treasury Secretary should believe in the gold standard. Like, let's start there, and then like we Ron can work Paul. out on all these other issues. Yeah, exactly. Old Uncle Ron. Uncle Ron. Um, health and Human Services. It looks like I think Bobby Jindal would be a good choice for that. He would be. Why? Uh, well. He is former Louisiana governor, and he had a um, – he was former secretary of the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals, and he also um, had some great policy ideas 
on repealing Obamacare. He was one of the only candidates who actually came out with serious policy um, mm-hmm. to to repeal it, and I followed him closely. He's a smart guy that should be put to use. Um, and I've, I remember when Bobby Jindal was in the House of Representatives, I remember I, I talked to him a few times when I was a, a lowly little staff assistant in the House. I really liked him. I just I think he would be a, a, a prominent choice. Um, then they have Ag Secretary. It looks like it could be uh, Sam Brownback, who's the governor of Kansas. And uh, so here's a question, fellas. Where do you think – do you think Sarah Palin has a position in this administration? God, I hope not. God, no, <laughs> yeah. please. I mean, They're, maybe if we had a national dog catcher. Oh, jeez. She, well, she ran out her welcome so quickly. Oh, she God. really she did. did. But there wasn't like – it was just – she's – she seems like a nice lady, like a really nice person, I, I think. But her shtick was long up, and she could have really been a star of the party – if she went out and hunkered down on policy that she cares about and didn't just com- sound like a complete lunatic every time she went on television and it's just her voice it's the and I don't and that, I hope that doesn't sound sexist because it's not meant to be but it's just every time that uh I, I just I can't, Sarah Palin is just Joe you're right I mean that's been long over and I, I just, yeah, I well, I think what she did it to herself to a good degree. I don't remember four years ago. All the talk is Sarah running for president. Is she not? She was hawking her book at every place she went, and then ultimately she just decided not to run. And she pissed off so much of her natural. She should base. have carried that term out. Yeah, she should have carried the term. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and she she wanted to sell her book, so she wanted to take it natural. So she was. Toying with, and I do believe she was never serious, toying with the idea of running for president, pushing her book at all the stops. And she, yeah. but I just remember reading and hearing from so many people. They were heartbroken, they were devastated, but they were pissed. They felt that she yeah. used them. And every mm. one of the people told me, and oh, I bought her book. She got rich off of that crap, I'm sure. But yeah. these people, they will never forget it. Yeah. I thought that's why you wrote books when you were a politician was that was like your like your you like the tip. Okay, like the salary yeah. is like your wage and then your book is like the tips that you get. So you're well, like a waitress. I guess Bob Murlock's still trying to make money off his damn books. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and Ryan, I didn't hear you mention his name at all in any of those lists of the different I don't, positions you were just talking about. I don't know if if it, I mean what would what would be the the pick? Would it be energy secretary? Would it be Homeland I don't know. Security? His name just came up on one of the local news stations in Baltimore area. Ran something a week or ten days ago about Bob Ehrlich's being considered for Giuliani. I mean, for for Trump's cabinet. That's all I'd ever heard. I haven't heard. I mean, what about that sense? There's, but there's no natural fit for him. I mean, there's nothing that I, I could see him being. He doesn't have an identity anymore, right? I mean, there's nothing. No, that, he really does. He, well, he does two time loser, but that's it. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, we I, only I want winners I mean, in the Trump cabinet, okay? The Trump yeah. campaign are winners. We only want winners here. That's probably the answer. You know, like, you could, you could reasonably pick someone like Rick Perry for Ag Secretary or Interior Secretary. Yeah, yeah, you um, certainly or, could. Absolutely. Um, I, and I, I, I admire Rick Perry. I just hope he remembers the name of his cabinet that he, he would potentially serve as. Um, 
<laughs> you know, and then you know you could reasonably pick a, a health and human services secretary of um, Rick Scott, maybe from um, he was the former chief executive of a large hospital chain mm-hmm. down in Florida. I mean, these are people, but uh, I, I don't I don't know where Bob's position is. Maybe he'll be appointed an ambassador to somewhere, right? I mean, that's what happened well, with either Ellen that Power. or if if Giuliani ends up with a position as a secretary somewhere. He could certainly make Bob or like an under or a deputy secretary, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Or sure. some, but he's not going to, he's never going to get the marquee position. Right. He, he's not, not going right. to get the marquee on the main guy position. Right. But it would turn out that should there ever be a natural disaster, like if Bob Ehrlich was appointed to a, a cabinet level position, and there's that one guy that stays behind during the State of the Union address, that is Bob Ehrlich's <laughs> ticket to become president is. A natural disaster. Bob Ehrlich will there be you go. Natural... <laughs> so. Well, have, have you guys been watching Designated Survivor? Because uh, that's that's what happened. Good show. You should watch it. Okay. All right. I have um, not. And, and here's another question before we wrap up: Is what about the Supreme Court vacancy? I, I don't. I don't think that Merrick Garland will be appointed or confirmed. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So. Could you guys see a, a Ted Cruz being appointed to the Supreme Court? I certainly could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Ted Cruz would be great. All 99 other senators are saying the same thing. I oh, understand. Yeah, I think they're like, so I heard get that this Ted guy Cruz out. Ted Cruz one of the least liked people down there. But um, <laughs> I, I think he'd be a great choice. For, but for Trump, for a couple reasons. You appoint Cruz, that's going to codified to a great or coddle, I'm sorry, to a great degree a lot of the cruise people. And again, you just mentioned Bobby Jindal for I think again there's more diversity in picking Jindal. I really do believe that's what Trump's trying to do now is he's trying to diversify the uh, the appearance of his entire administration as much as anything else. But but he's also trying to please the, the Romney wing, the Cruz wing. I think the most important thing about for, for Cruz, number one, if the Senate approves him, then he won't be a senator for a very long time. So they don't have to deal with him. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like when you promote somebody so that they mess up something else instead of what they're messing up right now. Um, you know, exactly. like a government employee. Okay. But he's only 45. Okay. Ted Cruz could sit on that Supreme Court for the next 40 years, and we know exactly how he's going to vote. Okay. Yeah. He's going to vote. Just like Scalia, okay? He will vote original intent for 40 years, okay? If you want to make conservatives happy, put Ted Cruz on the Supreme Court. And he would take it. All right? He would take it. Yes. And we we have redistricting coming up. We have gun lawsuits coming up. We have a ton of things that are coming up, and he will be that fifth vote consistently on the conservative original intent side. And that's what we need. So then all we need is one more originalist on the Supreme Court, and then, boom, we basically did exactly what FDR did to the Supreme Court in the, 20, in the 30s. We stacked it so that you know, we don't have this – we stacked it in the opposite way that he did. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I just hope he wouldn't get borked and uh, you know what happened to Robert Bork in 1986. That would be a shame um, because even many of his own Senate colleagues, Ted Cruz that is – they they don't like him. I mean, could you? How would? 
I, I know that people like Lindsey Graham has come out and said good things about Ted Cruz, but John McCain, I believe, isn't John McCain on the Senate Judiciary Committee? I think he is. I, I if I, I'm pretty sure that he is. But I mean, could he get past an Orrin Hatch or a, 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 a John McCain or? Some of these people that have serious power. I think in if you get past Hatch, I don't know if you get past McCain. I think McCain but, really. McCain, that guy yeah. is brain dead. He's like what a million and a half years old. And eighty. I, I just 80. cannot believe he's still in there. Um, <laughs> I, I no, I just cannot believe that at all. I thought he'd been taking well, care of his last election, but whatever. It's like Arizona. Thank you. Well, how how close was his election out there? Uh, I don't I, think it was close. Oh, she he blew her out. Damn. Yeah, I think it, I don't even. I think it was by ten or more points. I think if you're upwards of ten, that's not even that's not even close. Uh, ten is a blowout. That is literally considered a blowout or a landslide or whatever. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, he got fifty five percent of the vote. Kelly Ward thirty five percent. Thirty five. So. Yeah, fifty five. That was 35. the primary. That was his primary. That was the primary, right? yeah. Yeah, that's who, uh, who, who got the ten percent. I thought I, it, I don't know. I'm still look. This is <laughs> he. He faced Ann Kirkpatrick and and the uh, and the general. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess uh, I'm happy he won the general. Just keep the numbers in the R's favor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He faced. Let's see. I'll tell you real quick. John McCain, 2016 election. I'll find out. Oh my god! Yeah, but he's yeah, like sorry. There, there was a lot of races. It's hard to figure out. It's hard to remember the numbers for all of these. All right, unfortunately. So Joe, so Joe it was uh, fifty-three to forty-one. That's still okay. a pretty strong win. Yep. Hey, yeah, the I mean, Green Party guy got five and a half percent. Hats off. I know to him. Gary, and his name is Gary Swing. <laughs> He doesn't even have um, a picture on Wikipedia, and he got 5%, so that's good. <laughs> well, fellas, it was a we had a great talk. Um, I'm glad that, Joe, you were able to join us. I hope you make this a regular occurrence, and I, I, I do hope I had a blast, that, guys. No, I appreciate you coming on. I, I know you're busy, but I, I really do appreciate it. Eric, I know you're busy, but we have fun doing this, and uh, we're going to be at Maryland's Republican State Party Convention this weekend, if they, that is if they don't throw us out, but uh, Joe Cluster, who was very kind, I emailed Joe last week and asked him if it would be possible if we were to uh, achieve uh, the status of press credentials. So they, they offered it to us, and uh, we're going to – Eric and I will be at the convention uh, covering it and all the uh, the fun attached to that. So we'll we'll let you know what happens in Maryland – with Maryland Republican politics, so – Guys, any any parting thoughts as we uh, end the show here in about a minute? I think the one thing you guys might want to look out for, if I don't make it anyway, I'm look out, I, I would be interested to see if there is a division right now between the Trump loyalists who are there and everybody else. I wow. bet you there is. And, that, cause, and if there is, that's going to be there for a while, I hate to say, but it really will be. The Trump loyalists... Um, I know a number of them personally, and personally I like a lot of them, but yeah. the everybody else crowd still won't know what their head spinning. On one hand, you got Governor Hogan, who did not vote for Trump. He actually said he right. wrote in his father. 
On the other hand, you got the Trump lawyers, and they just won. And as of right now, one of their own is on Trump's team, David Bossy. So oh, anyway, yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. Eric, any thoughts, party? So we'll um, just quick thought. We're going to um, figure out how we're going to be broadcasting. This might be Facebook Live, might be podcast, but um, a minor detail will be your go-to source for all information convention-related. Yeah, we will be. That's a minor detail dot com, blog talk radio slash a minor detail. Uh, guys, it was been a pleasure. Thanks so much, and uh, I'll look forward to connecting next Sunday night. Thanks for listening. My everyone. pleasure, Jen. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>